continue your applause for your senior pastor, Pastor Jerry. What an unbelievable man. Thank you, Pastor. And what an honor it is to be with you, all of your campuses. And I don't know if you know this or not. I'm certain that you do, but you're a part of a great work of God here at Bay Community. It is a rarity to be a part. Yes, you can give applause. And um, there is no reason just to be uh, an attender. What a privilege it is to, uh, to see a church, and even at a distance, to watch God use uh, Bay in such an amazing way and inspire me. Uh, many things just in the last year since meeting your staff and your team uh, has inspired me, inspired our church, brand new church and um, in Arkansas, and it is, uh, it, it's a joy. It's a joy to be with you today. We're going to have a great time. It's Father's Day, so I got to dress myself, and uh, <laughs> it's one day a year I get to dress myself, so I put on, I, actually, this is all I had left, so I just put it all together and said, good luck, here we go. It isn't that bad, is it? It ain't that bad. Um, but it's the only tie I had, so I just threw it in there in the mix. And it, it is truly, truly an honor to be with you. And I want to just share with you uh, a real quick word. And it, it is for dads, but it's, it's for all of us. It's what to be had if you're a dad. And what to be had if you're a Christ follower, if you desire God's best, if you want to go places you've never been before. And I believe that that is true. I know that excellence is your desire, and God wants to do great things in and through your life. And for, for Cindy and I uh, personally, and for my kids, but specifically for us as a family, we're, we're believing God for great things, and, and we are on a, on a path of desire to see God do unbelievable things. And eight years ago, we began brand new church. God called us to a, a town in Arkansas, uh, not far from my hometown uh, in, in, the, in the same region of the state. And it was in South Lead Hill, Arkansas. There is a Lead Hill, Arkansas. Uh, God didn't call me there. That's population 247. He called me to South Lead Hill, the suburb population 88. <laughs> and I don't know why you're laughing at me. But uh, God called us there. And uh, we are part of a really what we call a transition, planning and transitioning um, a very traditional church and watching God do great things. And I begged God not to send me there. I was like, God, I'm better than that. I know that this isn't what you have for me. I, uh, it, it was, it's a terrible opportunity. People don't understand it. And, uh, and God sent me there. And I'm very grateful. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, if I told you that God had sent me to Senegal, West Africa, to a village of 88 people, you'd put my picture on your fridge and send me care packages. Why, why is it so different? <laughs> you laugh at me when I say Arkansas and Africa, you'd be like, oh, it's so good, it's so special. You know, such sacrifice. It's sacrifice to live in Arkansas. And no one sends me jack squat. <laughs> My point is this. I just made a decision to believe God that through him all things are possible. Amen. And you and I need to do the same thing. For Dad's Day, 
we need to believe as passionately as we've ever believed God before for every area of our life, for every determined decision in our life. And Cindy and I, we just decided to believe God at his word and we, we stepped out in faith and we never dreamed, we never dreamed that God would do what he's done in rural America. We never dreamed that in just a few years we'd open up nine campuses. We never dreamed that we'd have such an impact in online presence. But here's what God says. God says this, that all things are possible. He wants to use us to do immeasurably more than we can ask, think, or imagine. And dads, Christ followers, there was a day you believed that. There was a day when you said, I'm saved you went public with water baptism. You told the world, you put the jersey on, if you will. You were going to win your entire place of employment. You left summer camp. You're like, I'm going to win everyone on my football team to Jesus. You were like, I'm going to lead everybody in my teacher's lounge slash gossip center to Christ. I'm going to do everything I possibly can to make a difference. And what happened? You, you remember when you were married, before you got married, dad, you remember chasing her? I mean, go with me for a minute. Remember, chase, I'm still chasing my wife. You need to pray for Cindy. I chase her 20 years, almost 21 years later, I'm still chasing her. She is so hot, and I'm not joking, she's hot. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm just so grateful for her. But I remember, and you remember too, you remember getting dressed up? You remember taking a bath, stuff like that? <laughs> Shaving. How do you remember the days you even wore cologne, men? Anybody remember that? I, I think it's important you still wear some cologne. A lot of you need to wear cologne, and some of you need to change cologne. If you're still wearing Obsession, you need to stop right now. That stuff will kill a man. It'll definitely kill a woman. But if you're still throwing back some Jakar every once in a while, you got my vote. I, I just think every, if you're an Aqua Velva man, it's, I don't even think you should be living. That is not true. Brute, is it, it, don't even raise your hand if you're wearing Brute because we can smell it right now. But you remember chasing her down and wearing the 501s. I'm going 80s just a little bit here. Wearing your 501 jeans. Remember that? Or some of you wore Wranglers, which are, that is so wrong. And uh, <laughs> you, you chase her down. You're so excited. I remember when we had our first date. I remember saying, I do on the wedding night. I remember making all these commitments and plans and desires and dreams. And by God's grace, I'm, I'm just as passionate about it as I was then. And that's only by God's grace. You, you remember that? What happened? Who stole your dream with reality? Who took that passion you had when that first child was born? And you remember that? I, I can still remember Anna, our firstborn, breathing. And every once in a while, I'd hear that stutter breathing. And I'd jump off, off that couch in the hospital room and make sure she was okay, have the paddles ready. I mean, I was just like, whatever it takes. I mean, you just remember that passion, that urge you just hold her. I remember the first time she had a little hangnail and it was cutting herself. And I tried to cut her fingernail and, and then wrap the little socks over her hand. And then the fourth child stutter breathe. And I was just like, oh, good luck. You know, you can make. <laughs> I mean, you just, what happens where we just lose that, if you want to use the word passion, um, what happened? When, when, when you were so excited to get that $24,000 a year job, and then all of a sudden, because you just got a little bitty raise, you're mad at the boss. 
when you were so passionate about just living life and so passionate about winning your friends and you couldn't wait to get everybody to your church and tape off an entire row like I'm certain many at the Foley campus are doing today. I know many of you are just, reality sets in and for whatever reason we stop. You used to read the Bible every day. You used to pray with your kids and now you just do it at Thanksgiving and your kids don't even know what to do with it because it seems so odd. What happened? Here's the great thing. We can start again right now. I mean, it's dad's day. We can start right now. We can begin fresh. We can begin brand new with whatever God has called you to. And I just know this, as a Christ follower, I am believing God for bigger and better things because all of God lives in me. If you believe at all of our campuses, if you believe that God created the world, raise your hand with me. You believe that God created the world. You believe that God holds all the water, Isaiah 40 teaches us, all the water in the palm of his hand, approximately 340 quintillion gallons before Al Gore. You remember that. How many of you remember that? <laughs> remember, God measures the universe by the span of his hand, end of his pinky, end of his thumb. Y'all believe God does that? He knows all the stars by name. Raise your hand if you believe that. How many believe Jesus was born of a virgin, sinless, without any sin, died on a cross, rose again three days later? How many believe that? Raise your hand. How many believe that this Bible is true? God has penned it. It's flawless. It's perfect. Without error, raise your hand. If your hand's raised to this, you're crazy. I mean, in today's society, you're crazy, aren't you? Here's the thing. Why do we have this great big God of Scripture, this great big God of creation, and a midget God of day-to-day living? What's happened? Who stole your dream? Who stole your dad's stuff? Who stole your fellowship and your passion and believing God for great things? I have a dear friend. I love him with all my heart. He is such a fundamental Christ follower. He's just like, I just think if we get the Ten Commandments back in school, it would change this nation. I just looked and I got so sick and tired of hearing him rant and rave on his political fundamentalism. And I'm not saying I'm not that way, but I just looked and said, can you quote the Ten Commandments for me right now? What kind of question is that? I said, just quote them. Because if you'd spend just as much time getting you and your grandkids to memorize them in your home, you wouldn't have to worry about blaming it on the school. Let's get passionate about doing it for ourselves. I mean, we'll rant and rave about stuff we don't even do in our own private lives. My point is this. Let's get serious about this God we believe in that lives inside of us. Again, raise your hand. You believe God lives inside of you upon salvation, repentance, and yes, okay. If he lives in us, what's stopping you, dad? What's stopping you, Christ follower? You know what's stopping you? You. The enemy has no power over you. It's you. And I just want to challenge you on dad's day. Number one, don't ever put this ensemble together on Dad's Day. Let me just tell you that. That's number one. Number two is this. I want to challenge you to step up and live big and dream big and let's do great things, God-sized stuff for his glory because he lives in us. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. I didn't hear you in Foley. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. I just exhort you to do this. Elisha is a picture of this. If you have a copy of God's word, it's because you're saved and going to heaven. And uh, I encourage you to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 2. If you've got a smartphone or a phablet, pull that dude out. If you have a phablet, please don't hit your neighbor with it. If you don't know what a phablet is, don't worry about it. You don't need one. 2 Samuel chapter 2, Elisha 
is being mentored by Elijah. And I just want to piggyback on what Pastor Trey uh, shared last weekend. And you look at the story of Elijah. This guy had it going on. And if you were titling it, what to be had if you're dad? What to be had if you're a Christ follower? And Elisha teaches us these things. And Elisha looks at Elijah and he sees all the great things he's done. And then Elijah getting ready to leave in that miraculous exit from earth. And Elijah asked Elijah this. He says, tell me in verse number nine of 2 Samuel chapter two, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken away. And Elijah replied, give me a double portion of your spirit. If you looked at your son, dads, and your son looked at you and said, man, if I could do one thing for you, son, anything I can do for you, what can I do? Dad, I want to do twice as much as you ever did. To us personally, we look at this and think of the mentor and think of Elijah, and we might say, man, that was disrespectful. No, who doesn't want their son to do greater things than they've done? That's God's desire for you. Jesus even said this, that you will do even greater things than I have done. Now, again, how many of you believe that the Bible was written for you by God? Raise your hand. How many of you believe that it's true? Okay, Jesus said you will do even greater things. What's holding you back? Why have you stepped back and said, there's no way this can happen? Or reality set in. Elisha says, I want to do double. Elijah, recorded in the scriptures, you see seven major miracles that he performed. So in other words, Elisha is saying, I want to do 14. I want to do double. So if you want to know what to be had to be an effective dad, to be an effective Christ follower, number one is this, note takers. You and I need God-given ambition ambition. I hesitate to even use that word. And here's why, because many of us think it's so secularized and it's so wrong. It's so selfish. Listen, we serve an ambitious God and that God lives within us and has put within us a desire, an ambitious desire to do what? To build his church on earth as it is in, as it is in heaven. God has ordained this moment for you and I to step up and be ambitious for his glory, to do ambitious things, to be passionate and be ambitious to see God use us in an unbelievable way. What are you ambitious about? What are you passionate about? What drives you? Do you know the scripture teaches this so beautifully in Proverbs 18 and verse number 21, but I want to say it to you this way. You will gravitate towards your strongest thought. You will gravitate towards your strongest thought. What is your strongest thought? I'm a failure. I'm a loser. I can't. I won't. There's no way. I've tried it before. I've done this, that, or the other. Why are you living a lie? What Jesus says is this. You will do even greater things than I have done. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 20, you will do immeasurably more than you can ask or think. Even imagine, even dream. Immeasurably in the Greek means this. It means without measure. It's that simple. You can't measure it. So let's go do something great. Be ambitious. What are you ambitious about? I see people so passionate about all these things. And ambition is great. But when it's directed and used for God's glory to build his church, God will use it in such a huge way. I am ambitious in my relationships with my kids. I am ambitious in my relationship with my wife. Matter of fact, a, a, a great author once said this. Every man is wired for an adventure to live, a battle to fight, and a beauty to win. 
And that's what we're called to do. And for some reason, we've been effeminized to back up and play some sitcom role instead of being the passionate leader that God's called us to. A warrior type, Jesus within us, ambitious living and being passionate about it. I unashamedly lead my home. I don't ask any questions, and I'm not backing down, and I'm not doing anything dictatorial, but I am doing it under leadership and meekness through the power of the Holy Spirit. Why not? Just start leading your home. Well, I've tried that. It doesn't work. Start leading in a way that brings God glory and start today. Be ambitious about it. I'm ambitious. I'm ambitious. I'm wanting to take ground for the kingdom of God and rule America every day. Every single day, I am constantly looking for opportunities, even while I was on vacation, looking at a place just outside of Cabot, Arkansas, a small town, that we were getting ready to launch a campus. I'm passionate about it. I'm ambitious. I am passionately chasing after my wife. I know I said it. This is like the third time. I'm serious about it. I am passionate about it. I've just been with her for nine days. I'm more passionate about her than ever. I chase her around. I am constant. I have date night on the calendar. The only reason you don't schedule date night is because you don't schedule it. We have date night. I love date night. And it isn't some kind of, hey, what are you going to do? Oh, I don't know. We go, uh, all right, let's go to Taco Bell. <laughs> I mean, we're, I'm scheduling something. I'm dressing up. I'm getting some Jakar out. I'm splashing it on. I'm wearing some tight pants. I'm looking good. I know it's wrong to say that in church, but I'm serious. Why do we let all the single lost people act like they're having the most fun pursuit? Why not do it with ambition in a marriage that's centered on Christ, based on Christ's foundation, and bringing glory through having a red-hot marriage? Let me just say this. If you're ambitious about your marriage, it, it, it means this. You're ambitious about Jesus because Jesus Christ is your groom and you're his bride. And when your marriage is red-hot, guess what? It automatically tells me that your marriage is red-hot. Automatically. Because it's a mirror image of your walk with Jesus. And the more intimate you are with Christ, the greater your marriage is. It's guaranteed. And if you're passionate about the local church, I know you are. How? Because you're passionate and you're ambitious about leading your kids to follow Jesus Christ. I'm passionate about my kids. I, I text my kids this morning and I said, all I want to do is your dad is put God first in my time, talent, and my treasure. And I want you to know it. That's my passion. I'm not going to do it perfectly. But I want my kids to understand, to understand ambition is God-centered and I'm putting him first. I want my marriage to see that. I want a lost world to see that. And I'm begging God for a double portion. Who at all of our campuses want a double portion of God's best? Raise your hand. Just say, I want a double portion. I want a double portion of everything I can get from God because I know I can't do it on my own. And I want to be ambitious. The things we get ambitious about dads are this. We get ambitious about our kids' Little League baseball team. And the next thing you know, we're living our lives of our failing baseball career through our four-year-old kid on a t-ball team. <laughs> and I know that's such a terrible illustration, but it's so true, isn't it? It's so true. I don't want my kids to think that all I care about them is succeeding on the football field or a baseball field. I want them to see that I'm passionate about them succeeding in their spiritual lives. I don't want my kids and me to constantly be checking their grades in chemistry, which my son in AP chemistry did very well this year. I do check it regularly, but that's a public endeavor that I'm concerned more about what the teachers think about me than if I'm passionate about them reading God's word every day. I am just as passionate about that. 
well, uh, you, you don't want to make your kids read the Bible. Why not? I make them read the chemistry book. I make them read the Bible, and then I make them text me what they read every day. Oh, well, that's so legalistic. What? Don't you, how many make your kids do their homework when they're in school or if they were in school? Raise your hand. How many get mad if your kids don't do their homework? If they, okay, why wouldn't you make your kids read the Bible, the most important piece of literature on planet Earth? And then I make them text it. And if they don't text it to me regularly, I cancel their phones. They're going to be in one of these services, and you just go up and ask them. And I've canceled it many times. I'm like, suspend. I love getting online and suspending their phones. I love it. <laughs> and they're all teenagers. I mean, they are like, their IV is Instagram. You know what I mean? I mean, they're, they are Twitter-holics. They love it. But here's what thing: I'm not going to give you the privilege of having a cell phone when you're not using it to read God's Word. Why don't we do this stuff? Because somebody has effeminized us and saying we can't get in our kids' business and on their cell phone and force them to read the Bible. Well, you're just forcing them. It's better than them not reading it. The Bible is sharper than any two-edged sword. You cannot mean to stab yourself with a two-edged sword, but it's going to cut you. It's the same way with the Holy Word of God. If you believe that to be true, say amen. Get ambitious about your kids reading the Bible. I mean, I just got a text. I don't know why they're getting up so late, but I just got a text right here, 24 minutes ago, actually, from my 17-year-old boy. Then let me go to the altar of God to the highest joy, and I will give thanks to you on the lyre, which he doesn't even know what one of those are. <laughs> Psalms 43, 4. That's what I got for my son. You're like, oh, well, you're just making them good. Yes, I am, and I make them go to school. And I make them use the bathroom. I'm not changing their diaper anymore. I made them one day take it off and wear these little pull-up things. I was like, you're going to learn how to potty in the potty like a big boy. Isn't it amazing? All of a sudden, when it comes to Jesus, we don't make them go to camp. We don't make them go to church. We don't make them read. The Be ambitious about leading your kids to love Jesus. I got four amens out of that. Foley was rocking it. Mobile was rocking it. But... I'm just telling you, it's so easy for us to get ambitious about. My son's a 12-year-old boy. He's a sixth grader. He's been recruited by I don't know how many travel teams. He's a left-handed pitcher. He's got a wicked curveball. It's beautiful. It really is. I got a picture. I'll show you. It is. I mean, he gets his leg up to his chin and just, I mean, the other way, of course, left-handed. And, uh, I mean, it's wicked. It's beautiful. But the coach that that we said yes to for this travel team, we told him, he said, we will not be at all tournaments, especially if they play on Sunday. And here's why. We prioritize the local church because Jesus bled and died for it. And they were like, oh, well, oh, yeah, we do too. We love the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, thank you, God. And I was like, coach, seriously. It, it, it was Palm Sunday, and they had a baseball tournament. Palm Sunday. And they were like, is, uh, is KJ going to be there Sunday? We could really use him. I was like, no, he's not. He's going to church. It's Palm Sunday. God help you people. <laughs> Can I just tell you this, Dad? If your son's that good, they'll find him. That's right. You don't have to worry about stealing his time from being passionate about what Jesus bled and died for the local church. Being ambitious about them loving Jesus, his church, and his word. Now, this is one of about 20 points, and I camped too long on it. But I just, I cannot stop without helping myself 
and all of us dads to understand what's priority. They will not remember how much allowance they got. They will remember what you prioritized and what you were ambitious about. They will remember. And, and, and whether it's, what, whatever it is, be ambitious. Number two is this, be passionate. And Elisha teaches this, be passionate about teaching and living under authority. Look at your neighbor, if you feel comfortable at all campuses, look at your neighbor and just say, I'm passionate about authority or I'm beginning to be. Just tell them that right now. Just speak what you believe to be true. I'm passionate about authority, I'm believing to be. Okay, okay, good. There's a lot of wives laughing in their husband's faces right now. Authority is so key. If you want to have what needs to be had to be a great dad, you need to be passionate about authority. Every area of your life. Every area of your life. Elijah teaches this. Matter of fact, if you look in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 23, beautiful passage of scripture here. And it says, Elisha left Jericho, went up to Bethel. As he was walking along the road, a group of teenage boys from the town began mocking and making fun of the prophet of God. Can I just tell you right now, don't do that. Don't make fun of teenagers. Listen, adults, listen. Don't make fun of authority in your life. Don't make fun of any authority in your life. Don't make fun of the cop. Don't make fun of your president. Don't make fun of your governor. It doesn't matter your political preference. Listen, be passionate about your rights as a citizen of your county, of your city, of your nation, so forth and so on. But don't be regularly involved in dissing authority, especially spiritual authority. Don't do it. Matter of fact, they go on and the scripture says this. I love God's word. It's as current as the morning newspaper, is it not? And here's what they said. They, they looked right at Elijah and says, go away, baldy. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Elijah was bald. That's one revelation here. The other is, I mean, they get pretty rough. They're like, get out of here, bald man. And Elisha did what every spiritual pastor would do. He went over, he led them all to Christ. He knelt with them. He prayed with them. He gave them all scholarships to summer camp and put shoes on their feet and a new backpack for school. No, he didn't. He did exactly what I wish I could do. And I may do it this week. Here's what it says he did to those boys. Elisha turned around, looked at them, and cursed them out in the name of the Lord. <laughs> I love the Bible. Who's with me on loving the Holy Word of God? Hallelujah. I just cursed you in the name of the Lord. And not only that, it says this. Look what it goes on. It says, and then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of them. <laughs> How many of you love the Bible? Woo, Yeah. I'm praying bears on my neighbor's kids right now in Jesus' name. I don't know where those bears came from. But I don't know if you heard it or not, but I just cursed you in the name of the Lord. I, I don't know. I just love this passage. I may be taking it a touch out of context, but here's what I do know. Here's what I do know. Don't diss with authority. Celebrate authority. Police officers law at any level. I say this all the time to people, regardless of your political preference. Don't sit at the water cooler at your place of employment or retired men. Don't sit at that local cafe or gas station and badmouth your president. You are losing favor and blessing with God. God says that the king's heart is what? It's in my hand. You, you have the privilege to vote. Vote. 
You don't have to agree. I didn't say agree. Don't misunderstand me. But I know people that will sit, spend their entire day listening to right-wing opinion and find themselves dissing authority instead of praying for and celebrating this unbelievable nation we have the privilege of living in and doing everything we can to change what we do believe politically and, and, and conservatively or whatever you want to call it. I say scripturally is where you need to stand and then go from there. And then it's reflected. As soon as you start dissing the president, your kids start dissing you. Or let's take it a step further. When you go in and you badmouth the teacher because the kid said she did you wrong, guess what you're doing? You're supporting disobedience and rebellion, which is the sin of witchcraft, the scripture says. You don't go in and diss the teacher. You said yes by putting your child under the teacher's authority. What do you do? You support the teacher. You support them in every decision that they possibly make. You have a disagreement. Your child never knows that. You go and meet with them personally and privately about those issues. You don't diss authority. God will bless you. That's a man's man. That's a man's man. Same way, ladies, submit to the the husband, the leader of your home. Submission does not mean uh, subservient. It means supporting the mission. God wants you to be in the blessed place. Just take, for instance, those of you that are bad-mouthing the referee from the stands because you think your kid got shafted. That referee is the authority on that floor. Don't bad-mouth them. Now, you may have a disagreement. You can go to the authorities above them and work the deal, but you support and submit, and especially as you follow the leadership of your pastor at this church. I know, for instance, just being multi-side ourselves, it's so easy to find people who are, are deciding to do their own thing. Get underneath and get in the blessed place when you're underneath authority. I just exhort you, as Elijah demonstrates, find yourself in a place, the blessed place. Don't speak evil. Don't speak evil against authority. And don't allow your kids to do it. If they start bad-mouthing authority, put them in their place. Don't let them talk bad about their teachers. It's not their teacher's fault. Support them and go from there. This will change our country. This will change our world. This will change your house. And it starts where? With you, men. And then moms, with you. Can I just say this? God just put this in my heart. If you're a part of a home where you're a blended family, don't speak evil against that child's father. If you're the stepfather or the stepmother, don't speak evil against them. Support them, high five them, bless them in front of their children if you're in a blended home. You will be blessed because you do that. You will never be a winner because you make fun of their dad or make fun of their mom. You will never win. You will only win by supporting them. We well, don't know the situation. I know I don't know the situation, but I know God's going to bless you if you support authority and, and get, get underneath it. Let's go to the next level. Not just being passionate with ambition and being passionate about authority. If you want to have what needs to be had to be a great dad, can I tell you this? It's time for you to aim in the right direction. Where is your aim? What is your goal? Where are you? pointing and directing and desiring to hit. I mean, you remember the day when you were so ambitious, you were like, I'm, I'm shooting for this. This is the goal. This is the aim. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. What happened? You see in 2 Kings chapter 13, and I won't take the time to read all of it, just paraphrase in verse number 14, you see the king comes to Elijah. Elijah is on his deathbed. Matter of fact, this is his last miracle with his heart beating. It's his 13th miracle. 
And he goes and he's begging and believing and, and asking God to do unbelievable things. And Aram's on top of him and he says, Elijah, I need help. He says, here's what you do. You take the arrow, you take your bow and you shoot it out the eastern window. And the king does that. And he shoots that arrow. And as soon as he does, Elisha looks at him and says, that's the arrow of victory, count on it. Where did that arrow hit? Nobody knows. So many times we'll never even fly an arrow until we know that it's going to hit the mark and hit the target. You know what God's asking you to do? Shoot an arrow. Release the vision. Release the dream. Release what you want to do. Oh, I've tried that. I tried this. I tried that. I tried being the leader of my home and pastoring my family and leading my friends to Christ at school and being the team captain and praying with my friends. And I've tried. Listen, keep releasing the arrows. And not only that, after he released that arrow, as you go down in verse 16, 17, and 18 of 2 Kings chapter 13, you see that he says, not only that, grab your arrows and start hitting them on the ground. And so the king does this and he hits it on the ground three times. And he, and he just stops. And I can't imagine in, in the private chambers of this prophet how awkward that must have been anyway. And he hits once, he hits twice, he hits a third time. And then he looks up at Elijah and he goes, why'd you stop? And I think many of you, you've been married 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. Your kids are teenagers. You hit the ground, you hit the ground, you hit the ground. And you thought, what's really even gonna happen here? And you quit. And Elijah said, you should have kept hitting the ground. You would have had more victories. And I believe God is calling many of us to start hitting the ground again. You know what's beautiful about this? The king wasn't on the battlefield. He was carrying his bow and his arrows, his weaponry with him in his most private chambers and on into the private chambers of the prophet. He was prepared at all times. You need to be prepared as well. Here's the thing. You will never be anything that you desire to be in public if you're not that person in private. You know why it's so awkward when you tell your kids, say you're welcome, say, say yes, sir, say yes, ma'am. Oh, oh, tell them thank you. You know what's so awkward for your kids and they look at you like a calf at a new gate? You know why? It's because you don't make them say that in the home. I sat and watched the parents say, oh, tell them thank you. And the kid looked at him like, thank you. What are you talking about, mom? Say yes, sir. You say yes. Listen, the reason you don't feel comfortable praising in public is because you don't praise in, in private. The reason you don't pray in public with your wife and with your kids is because you're not praying in private. You will only be comfortable with what you're doing in your own person, in your private moments with God, in your alone time with God. And I just encourage you, men, Christ followers, Let's step up in our private lives so we can make a difference on the public stage for his glory and use the influence to build his church, to use the gospel, to lead people to Christ and make a difference through the testimony of our home. Keep hitting the ground. Why'd you stop? Who told you you can't? Who told you, oh, you've tried that before? How many times have you tried and you started? The scripture says you are to pray with your wife every day, to wash her with the word, Ephesians 5, 25. You are the pastor of your house, dad, father. It's time to step up and it, well, I tried that or it's awkward. It's not. Start in your private life. It'll just spill out into your public life. God wants us to live there. And this alone time with God is a great way to do this and keep hitting the ground. 
And I just encourage you, let those arrows fly. And if someone just plays quietly and in the closing moments of this time together, I want to encourage you, take your arrows, start hitting those arrows and let that arrow fly. I'm talking today. You, you have a general direction. God's given you at least the direction to shoot, which is east. Let the arrows fly. Start hitting them on the ground again. Lean over to your spouse, man. Lean over to your wife and say, I'm going to lead this home. I'm going to step up. If you are called of God, you need to step up. Start hitting the arrows on the ground for your entrepreneurial vocational dream. Serving in the local church. Taking your kids and doing whatever it takes to get them to the place that they need to be. Who stole it? Why'd you stop being ambitious? Why have you backed down? That alone time with God. And I want you to know this too. You have to choose an attitude to be effective, to be successful, and to see God use you in such a huge way. It's an attitude choice. You have to make the choice. And I believe it's Acts chapter 27 and verse number 12. The New King James reads it this way. Paul's saying here to the leadership, the local leadership, he says, I think myself happy. You know what some of you got to do? You just got to think yourself happy, change your attitude and start today. Oh, she's going to respond. Oh, my kids aren't going to understand. I pray with my wife every night and I pray with my kids every day. Every day I pray with them. Every day. I thank God for Skype. I thank God for FaceTime. I pray with them every day. And I, because why? I have nothing else to give that's going to last for eternity. I want to do those things. And I exhort you to do the same thing. And with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you do this for me? Would you make a willing choice right now to say, God, I am going to the next level. I'm ready to be ambitious. I'm ready to say yes to your word. I'm ready to say yes to the authority of God's word. And I'm going to choose an attitude. I'm going to choose an attitude, aiming in a direction. I'm just going to let an arrow fly. And I'm going to choose to do what I know God's put in my spirit to do. I'm ready to have what needs to be had to be a great dad, to be a Christ follower, to follow my Abba Father. And I back down. I've, I've said yes to average, apropos, mediocrity. And I'm ready to go to the next level. And if that's you and you would just say, Shannon, I am committing to Christ to step up my game, to go to this level of ambition and authority and aiming, just flying arrows and and continuing to hit on the ground. I'm ready to do that. By God's grace, I'm ready to do that. Would you just slip your hand up and say, I'm ready. I'm going to go with more ambition, more passion, more desire. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. You can put your hands down. And with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, can I just tell you this? You know, Elijah, while his heart was beating, had 13 miracles. And then a few years after his death, some travelers came through and they had killed a man. And they threw that dead man into a tomb. And in that open grave just happened to be the bones of a man named Elijah. And that dead man hit those bones. And that dead man came back to life. That was the 14th miracle. You you may not see the double portion. Can I tell you this, Dad? You can leave the double portion long after your heart stops with ambition and prioritizing God's best. Father, thank you. We give you praise. Use us to change 
the world. Use us to be huge impact players for your cause. And thank you, Father, for these passionate dads, these passionate Christ followers that have surrendered to you, that have raised their hand and said, I'm going to the next level. I'm going to begin leading my home, leading my wife, leading my family, leading as a young man, as a young woman in my place of influence. In Jesus' name, amen.